Hey friends, welcome to the City Hope Podcast. My name is Bobby Thompson and I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor. I pray that today's message would inspire you, it would encourage you, and it would also challenge you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy today's sermon. I'm really excited for today and what this message is about. We're in week two of Chain Reaction. <clears throat> Pastor Bobby started this series off last week and it is really, really incredible. So I'm honored to be able to do week two with you guys today. But before uh, the first service, I kind of did a little bit of a poll with some folks around here and they're not in here anymore. So I'll say their name. No, I'm just kidding. But they, I was polling. I said, tell me some of the strangest things that you ever placed in your microwave. And you probably know where this is going to go, right? So I was doing some research online, and I found some really crazy stories, but I'm not going to really share any of that. But this one individual shared with me that they had dropped their phone and got it wet. (laughs) So they opened their microwave, popped it in for a little while, and tried to dry it out. Uh, Yeah, so their phone no longer worked. Their microwave no longer worked, and I would imagine they probably, like, started a fire. But, uh, so, very, very funny. Uh, As I was preparing, you know, we're talking about chain reactions. So, my prop this week that uh, Bobby put me with was the microwave. So, I want to spend a little bit of time to talk about that. If the title of this sermon is called Warmth of God's Word, but if I was to retitle it, I would say Microwave Faith. That's the title that I would give this message this week. So we're going to dive into that a little bit. But before we do, um, I want us just to take a minute and just pray. Pray over the service. Pray over the individuals that are here, that our hearts are ready to receive what it is that you have for us. Okay? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for this incredible opportunity that we get to be here in your house to learn more about you. Lord, we are so blessed to live where we live, to do the things that we do. So, Lord, I pray that today we do not take that for granted, that you open our hearts, open our ears, and allow us to be able to receive what it is that you have for us today. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. So, who knows the history of the microwave? Nobody? No hands? Okay. So, also, I want to let you guys know, the first service was very vocal back to me when I asked them questions. So, you have to live up to that bar. Um, So just so you guys know ahead of time. But I'm going to share with you a little bit of the history of the microwave for those of you who are like me that did not know and uh, how it started. So in 1945, while helping out in the effort of war, a defense technology company and an engineer named Percy Spencer accidentally discovered something that changed the way, changed Americans' lives forever. Spencer forgot about a peanut candy bar that was in his pocket. And following a radar magnetron test, he noticed that the peanut bar had melted. So Spencer and his team began to become a little bit more curious. They tested all kinds of different things, one of which was an egg, which exploded, and the other was popcorn kernels, which popped. Shortly after, Spencer applied for a patent to turn his discovery into a product that now is in more than 90% of homes across America and all throughout the world. So Spencer accidentally invented the microwave. The microwave, you got it. Uh, he accidentally invented the microwave. Crazy to think about how in the world 
we use these microwaves for? What are the, some of the things that we do? I asked this question earlier, and I was very surprised that someone's hand went up, but he's not in here in this moment. So who has a, who, is there anyone in here that does not have a microwave at their house? Oh my gosh, there are people that do not have microwaves in their house. Okay, so uh, I made fun of the other person, but I'm not going to make fun of you, Porcellis. It's okay. <laughs> um, the reality is microwaves are an easy thing. It's a convenience thing, right? It does something quick when we're in a hurry. But we also know, if we learn a little bit more about the microwave, some of the reverse things it can have on our body. And that's a lot of the reason that some people don't have them in their house. Um, but I'm not here to teach you about that. I'm here to talk to you about the Bible. So I want to talk to you for just a second about our faith and how our faith sometimes relates to the microwave. It's very easy for us, when it comes to our faith, to go in for something quick and easy. That microwave type faith. To go in just to push the button on our phone, on our podcast, listen for just an encouragement, and be done. Do you know it's possible for us to have more than that. Do you realize that? It's possible for us to have a deeper relationship. It's possible for our need for quick and easy to not be good enough. And that's okay. That's what we want to strive for. We want our, we want our relationship with the Lord to not be a quick, easy, microwave-type faith. There's this quote from a famous theologian and pastor, and he said this. We fail in our duty to study God's word... Not so much because it's difficult to understand. Not so much because it's dull or boring, but because it's work. Our problem is not lack of intelligence or lack of passion. Our problem is simply we're lazy. Throughout this month and this series, Chain Reaction, our goal is to challenge you to slow down, to take some simple steps to create new spiritual habits in your life. In your time with God, your connections with others, your calling to serve, and your commitment to gener generosity. Because we know that when we set up these spiritual habits, you're going to set off something explosive in your spiritual life. We know it. Simply put, daily spiritual habits will, in fact, create a chain reaction. So what are some small, simple steps that we can do to increase or improve the way and the time that we're spending in God's Word? I want to share a statistic with you. I shared this with some guys that were praying, uh, some of our volunteers that were praying before the first service today. And they were blown away, so I got a little bit of their feedback. But according to a recent survey by the American Bible Society, in 2021, about 50% of Americans said they read their Bible on their own three to four times a year. That was 2021. That percentage held strong since 2011. So about 50% of people said that for 10 years, from 2011 to 2021. But in 2022, it dropped. Now the new percentage is 39% of people 
say that they read their Bible more than one time a year. This is the steepest, the sharpest decline on record, according to the American Bible Society. A quote from the CEO of that organization says, We reviewed our calculations. We double-checked it. We reviewed our math and numbers again and again and again. But what we discovered was startling, disheartening, and disruptive. But still, according to the state of Bible report, a third of those who never read their Bible say that they are still very interested and curious about it. So what does that say about us? We're we're curious, but not curious enough to open it? Or are we curious, but aren't making it a priority in our life because we're looking for that quick, microwave, instant-ready mentality? We know, I know, that reading and understanding the Bible for yourself, it can be hard, it can be tough to understand, it can be tough to translate sometimes if you don't pick up a... Uh, easy to read translation. But the reality is we still have to do it. God has placed people in our lives that's going to help walk us through that, that answer questions to help guide you alongside myself, Pastor Bobby, any of our other pastors here on team, small group leaders. That's what we're here for. We want to help walk with you on a regular basis. So back to my microwave. How does the microwave work? If we have something, you know, we put it in there for however long, and then it starts cooking. But the microwave is different. It's cooking based on the inside out. Right? No. It's cooking from the outside in. I tricked you there, just in case you didn't realize that. Uh The reality is when food is super thick or there's a lot of food in the microwave, it's going to get really, really hot on the outside. And then oftentimes you go to take a bite of it and it's still ice cold on the inside. The reason I want to challenge us to move away from this microwave type faith is because if we keep that same mentality, then we're never going to be able to heat up and be on fire for God. The inside is always going to be lukewarm at best. And let's be real. The stuff that comes out of the microwave, we really don't like anyways, right? We just put up with it because it's easy and convenient. So why are we satisfying? Why are we being satisfied or pacified with that in our walk with the Lord? The problem with spiritual habit of reading the Bible for most people is a microwave problem. I want you to take a look at this quick little video right here, if we can get it up to share. Now, isn't that incredible? What if the world really worked like that? That poor little guy, he's sitting there, I'm guessing, getting ready for a test or just trying to know what he needs to know for when he gets called on. And he's just scooping it up and throwing it in, scooping it up and throwing it in. But that's not the reality, right? We can't lay our head down on the book and let it just soak in. I know there's some college students in here and they're like, we do that. (laughs) But the reality is we know that's not going to work. But some, somehow, we still do things like that. 
we still go back to those quick microwave fixes. Read with me. We're going to go into Ezra chapter 7, and we're going to start in verses 8. And it says, Ezra arrived to Jerusalem the fifth month of the seventh year of the king. He began his journey from Babylon on the first day of the first month. He arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the fifth month. For the gracious hand of his God was on him. For Ezra had devoted himself to study and observance of the law of the Lord, and, the teaching is, and to teaching its decrees and the law of Israel. What's different about Ezra that we see here than what we've talked about already? For me, what I wrote down in my notes is God's working from the inside out. Ezra understands what it takes for God to transform someone's life. He's devoted himself to studying the word of God. And it's pretty interesting because if you look up the meaning of Ezra's name, it actually means he has set his heart on the Lord. And I think that's true of what we read in Ezra, that he has truly set his life, set his heart on the Lord. I also believe that God's word was a spiritual habit in his life. That Bible study wasn't just an exercise. It wasn't just something on his to-do list, just something to get done, which I think that we, I'm not going to say we, I am guilty of sometimes. We just put it on our list. I know I need to do it. I know I have to get it done, so I'm going to do it. And I'm sure there's some others that relate to it as well. I also believe that Ezra, for Ezra, God's word was not only for him, but it was for every single other person around him. And the reason I know that is because at the end, he says, teaching its decrees and law. He wasn't holding it as a secret. He wasn't holding it captive. He made sure that what he knew, he was sharing with everyone else that was around him. Turn with me to 2 Timothy 4. 9 through 13. I'll give you a second to turn there. It'll also be on the screen for those of you who don't have it. Here we read, Do your best to come quickly. For Demaeus, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crincess has gone to Galatius and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychesis to Ephesus. When you come, bring my cloak that I left with Carpus and my scrolls, especially the parchments. If you guys are scholars, please forgive me for all those words that I probably just mispronounced for you. But... <clears throat> What's interesting is if you start dissecting this piece of scripture a little bit, we look at the word scrolls, and if we look at what that word is, it is biblion. What does that sound like to you? Say it. Bible. It looks pretty familiar. But what we read in this is that Paul's love for the Bible was his priority because he emphasized over and over Make sure you bring my scroll, scrolls, but don't forget the parchments too. He wanted the whole thing because it was a priority in his life. What about you? 
When was the last time that you really set the Bible as a priority in your life? Not just here, when we bring our Bibles to church, but like actually taking your Bible and sitting down with it and letting it be a priority. Matthew, a disciple of Jesus, remembers a story and he shares it with us. Let's flip now to Matthew 4, 1 through 3. Sorry, I'm taking you guys all over the Bible today. It'll be on your screens too, I believe. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. We're going to stop right there for a second. Wow. Number one, fasting for 40 days, that's a lot. Number two, what we know about Jesus is he's the king of kings, right? He was sent here on a mission. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. But the enemy is coming and tempting the Lord. He's tempting his identity because he's like, if you are the son of God, then do this. So he's challenging even who he says he is, right? But he's also challenging the mission that he was sent here for. So this entire little dispute or episode that we see with the devil and Jesus is in the desert. And it kind of mirrors what happened a little earlier on with Israel during the testing that was a few thousand years before. But unlike Israel, who failed, Jesus didn't fail. Let's read what happened next. This is uh, picking up in verse 4. It says, Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. But on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So my question for you is, how do you respond when your identity or your purpose or your mission is being tested? Do you respond with scripture because you memorized it already? Or do you respond like you're in turmoil? You just give up. Throw the towel in. What if you already had a spiritual habit created? Would it make a difference? Because the reality is we can't just have that microwave type faith and find the answer, right? When something like that happens. We can't just have that microwave type faith and expect the word of God just to be reheated back in our life when something comes up. We can't just have that microwave type faith and expect the peace just to be there when we don't even know what the Bible says about peace. Or we may not even know who brings us peace. All of those things, they take a little bit of time. They take a little bit of diving into to see what the Bible's telling us, what Jesus wants us to know, how it's applicable to our life. Let's continue reading in Matthew 4. We're going to pick it back up in verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city, and he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He said, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. This time, the enemy is tempting Jesus to doubt God. 
to doubt what he's there for, right? Does that sound a little familiar maybe in your life? Well, God, if you really loved me, you would help me get through this. Or maybe it sounds something like, God, if you help me with this, I promise I'll never do it again. Let's look how Jesus responded, picking up in verse 7. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to test. Demanding divine blessing and protection as proof that God loves you is simply not right. We can't do it. So how do you respond when your faith is being tested by God? Do you respond with scripture? Do you even know the scripture to respond with? Or you just melt? Being in God's word has to be a spiritual habit. Bible study cannot be something we're just putting in the microwave to get that easy microwave fix. We need to not only know God's word, but we need to have it in our hearts so that it can be on our lips, so that when situations come, we are able to move forward confidently, knowing what the Bible says, what Jesus says, what he's called us to. Let's keep reading. Picking back up in verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Now, I look at that and I see, well, that's probably the most obvious of all the temptation. That he's tempting him to be like this devious scheme, you know, bow down and worship me. And you're probably thinking to yourself, Stephen, the devil's never asked me to worship him, right? The devil's devil's never came to you and said, hey, bow down and worship me. I would probably agree with you and say that's probably the truth. Let me read you this quote. So the former leader of the Church of Satan, his name is Blanche Barton, says this, the idea of worshiping Satan is absolutely ridiculous. We worship ourselves first and foremost. And there has always been a satanic failure in every culture from the beginnings of man. And I imagine that there always will be. So I look back at that scripture and what that reminds me of. Yeah, the Satan came to him and said, hey, bow down and worship me. But what that looks like for us is the devil just wants us to worship ourselves. Even in that moment, the devil wanted Jesus just to worship himself and say, I'm enough on my own. I got this taken care of. He wants him to forget about every single other thing that he has planned. Because we need to remember this is at the very early stages of Jesus' ministry. Should I do what I want? Should I surrender to God's ways? Am I going to microwave it for a quick, easy fix? Or am I going to put in the time and effort that we see modeled in Scripture? Let's keep reading. Picking back up in verse 10, it says, 
Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. Jesus understood the mission that he was on. He understood what he was here for. He knew that his mission was not to come here after a fast, fall to temptation. He knew why his heavenly father, why our heavenly father sent him here. So he was not bowing down. He was not folding to himself. He was not bending. Let's take a peek at Luke chapter 9 verses 22. It says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. He must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Jesus knew that that's what he came here for. That this was just a part of the test. But he knew the cross was the end game. He knew why he was here. He knew that you guys were going to be sitting here today. Hearing this, being reminded of what mission he was here for. Verse 23 says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. God's at work in you. He will lead you to God working through you. Did you hear that? God's work at you, excuse me, that's why you didn't hear it. God's word at work in you will lead to God working through you. God's word at work in you will lead to God working through you. So I want to challenge you as we get ready to start wrapping up. I want to challenge you with five different things today. And you may be thinking to myself, well, why do I really need to read the Bible? Well, if you want proof of why you need to read the Bible, there's about a hundred different scripture references that we can point you to that will tell you why reading the Bible is important. We're not going to go through all of those today, but, because I know you guys want to get to lunch, right? (laughs) So, there's five simple steps that we kind of outlined for you today. Number one, make attending church and listening to God's word a priority. Paul writes it like this. In 1 Timothy it says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. It has to be a priority. Guys, I know that we live in a beautiful place. I know that on Sunday we can get to the beach because it's not as crowded, because people's not there and checked in yet for vacation, right? I get it. But we have to make it a priority to be here. And just like I said in the first service, if you're visiting with us today, I am glad you're here. But you may be saying, well, Pastor Stephen, this is not a church for me. And I'm okay with that. But what I want you to know and what I want you to hear and what our heart is here, if this is not a church for you, come talk to us. We want to help you find the church that is for you. It's not about us. It's about what God's doing. It's not about City Hope. But we understand that this may not be a place for everyone. So we want to make sure that you are where you're at. But... It has to, has to, has to be a priority to be listening to God's word on a regular basis. Make it a priority to be here. Number two, begin memorizing verses or scriptures every single month. 
In Psalms 119.11, it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I think I shared this. I may have shared it a couple weeks ago, but I know I've shared it at one time speaking to you all. Um, My wife is really good about this. She will take little tiny sticky notes and she'll place them all around our house. Um, You'll see them kind of sometimes on her dashboard. Everywhere that she's at, she makes sure that she has these little sticky notes because she understands the importance of knowing Scripture. And she wants to make sure that this is the way she operates. So if you walk into our house, many of you have been there. You walk in, you look on our back door, there's a piece of Scripture that's on our back door. As you leave, you see it. Uh, If you go upstairs in our bedroom, she has stuff written on our mirror so you can see it. Uh, Also, she takes it a step further, and she takes her little sticky note, she puts it in a Ziploc bag, and she hangs it in her shower. So the whole time she's in the shower, she's repeating scripture over and over and over. Why? Why is that important? Why am I telling you that? We need to be armed. We need to be equipped. And the only way that we're going to be able to do that is if we know the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Number three, start or pick back up a Bible reading plan. We have to be in the Word of God. We have to do it. In Hebrews 4.12 it says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Who in here has a phone? Let's try that one more time. Who in here has a phone? Everybody, right? Almost everybody. There's a couple uh, middle schoolers that were really mad at me for that last time because they don't have their phone yet. But uh, most everyone in here has a phone. So I want to tell you how simple it is to have the Word of God at your fingertips. You can go to your app store. You can download an app called the Bible app. It's called version. But if you type in the Bible app, it'll pop up. And it's there. Not only do you have the Bible right there in your pocket all day long next to you, as you're scrolling through Facebook, Instagram, you have the Bible. Uh, but you also have access to thousands of incredible devotionals. Some that's one day long. Some Bible reading plans that can take you for the next year. Take advantage of that. Parents, if you're sitting in here, I want to challenge you too. We're called to raise our family to teach them So if your kids have tablets, if they have uh, Kindles, whatever they have, download the Bible Kids app. They have one for them. Same thing, devotional, little games that will help point them in a direction to be closer to the Lord as well. So number four, let's keep going. Join or begin leading a Bible study or small group. This one's a hard one. Because I think a lot of times we are comfortable with where we're at and who we're with. And sometimes we don't want to step out and do something else. The reality. But what we read in scripture, it tells us, 1 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We have to be armed, guys. A small group is exactly that. If you're a part of a small group and you've been a part of that small group since we launched, goodness, a year and a half ago almost, uh, maybe it's time for you to think about stepping out and starting a new small group because we're getting new people every single Sunday that need to be a part of a body. Or maybe you say, hey, I don't want to leave my small group. 
Maybe you just say, I'm going to sacrifice and I'm going to do it on another day of the week. That's great. We'll take it either way. But you need to make sure that you're around other believers, other people that are like-minded like you. And we need to create opportunities for folks to do that as well and to have that same opportunity that you've been afforded. Number five, we need to deeply study or meditate on God's word. Joshua says it like this. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Guys, if you're not exactly sure where to start, we want to help you. We have teams that are here to help you do that. But... It is important that we start and we stop living by this microwave-type faith that we've learned is easy and convenient, and it's good enough just to get us till tomorrow, and it's good enough just to get us a couple more hours. We have to get beyond that. Let me share another story with you. Tyndale, or excuse me, Tyndale, um, is a famous Bible scholar. He had uh, is has several translations. A lot of you probably in here with your Bible probably have a translation of that. He's also um, one that's created some English phrases like, let there be light, my brother's keeper, and salt to the earth. Well, if you know anything about Tyndale, you may know that he found himself imprisoned in Brussels. And he was preparing for execution around 1536. Just before his execution, Tyndale wrote to the governor begging for warmer clothing, a wool shirt, and above all, his Hebrew Bible. Sounds pretty familiar, huh? Just like we read Paul, Tyndale understood the importance of spending time in God's Word. Up until his very last moments, he was up for execution. He understood it. What about you? And those days where we're tired and we get home from work or we realize we haven't done it, are we okay with not being in God's Word that day? Are we okay with just walking by it, seeing your Bible sitting on the table, never opening it up? Are we okay with the only scripture and the only Bible that we hear all week long, being Pastor Bobby or one of our other pastors that are up here speaking? Are we okay with that? I hope your heart's telling you you're not. I hope that something is being challenged inside of you, that you're not going to settle for this microwave-type faith. I hope that you're going to begin to make a commitment of change. I hope that you understand why it's important and not something that Pastor Bobby, myself, any of our other pastors here are just wanting for you. But it's something, yes, we do want it for you. We want what we read in Scripture to be alive and active in your life. We read in Romans 10, 17, it says, Faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. I believe that God's love is so real. I believe that he loves you so much that he sent his one and only son for you today. 
for every single person here. And that if you're not in relationship with Him, there's good news. We can start today. You can start fresh. So as we wrap up today, I'm going to invite our musicians to make their way forward. I want to challenge you guys. I know I threw a lot at you from a lot of different ways. A lot of different stuff. But I know that God has big plans for you. And I know that it doesn't stop when you leave this door today, when you walk out to the parking lot. I know that it doesn't stop when you're at home with your kids. I know that the Lord has a lot. So I want to take a moment just to pray with you. If you would, just bow your heads. If you're here today and you're saying, Stephen, I hear what you're saying. And I've been in relationship with the Lord for a long time, but I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I need, I need something more. I need to be in his word on a daily basis. I need that level of accountability in a small group. I need people to walk with me, to point me closer to the Lord. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me today. Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I have let you slip to the back burner. I'm sorry that I settled for microwave faith. But today I want to make a change. I want to make a step forward to being more on mission for you. To allow you to be the priority in my life. If that was you, I want to encourage you. We have some of our care team members that are in the back against the window. I want to encourage you today to stop by and chat with them. You can get up right now and you can go and chat with them. They want to talk with you. They want to pray with you. What we know is that when we choose to not say something to someone, it's a lot easier for us to just let it fall back to the way it was. But maybe you're in the other seat and you say, Stephen, all of this is new to me. Faith, what does it mean? But you're ready to take that step and begin your journey with Christ. I want you to pray with me as well. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for bringing me here today. Lord, I know this is going to be new, but I'm ready to take this step with you. So I pray that you forgive me. I pray that you're with me. I pray that you connect me with people that will continue to point me toward you. So in turn, as I grow in relationship with you, I can point others toward you also. Jesus, we love you. Amen. Guys, please, please, please hear me when I say this. We have to get away from the quick fixes. We have to get away from reheating scripture that we hear over and over and over again. We need to go deeper. So I want to challenge you. I think every single person in this room, there's a piece of this that was for you today. 
So I want to challenge you, no matter who it is, before you leave today, grab someone by their arm and say, hey, I'm ready to go deeper with the Lord. Whatever that looks like for you. Tell that person. Give that person permission to help hold you accountable. Let's continue to stand and worship. Thanks again for tuning in with us today. We would love to connect with you, and the best way to do that is through social media or go straight to our website. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.